Hey everyone, this is Caleb. Welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. I am so grateful that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me in the Learner's Corner. And today I am honored to be joined by Glenn Packiam to talk with him about the new book, which he has co-authored called The Intentional Year. Simple Rhythms for Finding Freedom, Peace, and Purpose, which he co-wrote with his wife, Holly. And we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to cover a lot of different things here in the podcast today. And if you enjoy this, or if you consider yourself a lifelong learner, I would highly recommend subscribing to my newsletter, to my Substack, to where I give you all of the different things that I am currently learning from, from books, to podcasts, to documentaries, to, <laughs> to anything that I am enjoying and want to share in some of the things that I'm learning about as well. And that could be music. It could literally be anything. Because here on the podcast, we believe that we can learn from anything and from everything, whether it's something serious, not serious, from anyone and from everyone, whether or not we agree with them completely. And we want to create a safe place to where we can talk about difficult things, to where we can have difficult conversations. And we want to do it because if you're like me, someone did that for you. Or maybe you wish that someone had done that for you and we want to be that person. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Glenn, and then we are going to jump into the conversation. So Glenn is the lead pastor of Rock Harbor Church in Costa Mesa, California, and a senior fellow at the Barner Group. We talked with him about his transition as well. And he is the author of eight books, including the most recent Intentional Year, which was just mentioned and co-written with his wife, Holly, The Resilient Pastor, which we actually talked with him about, or I talked with him about earlier last year, and we'll link to the show notes in the in the conversation. He's also earned a doctorate in theology and ministry from Durham University in the UK and is one of the founding leaders and songwriters for Desperation Band and has recorded on uh, several of Desperation Band and New Life Worship recordings and is a regular speaker at conferences for pastors and church leaders and has taught seminars and classes at Durham University, Denver uh, Ceremony, and many other places as well. And without any further wait, here is our conversation. Well, Glenn, it's good to have you back on the podcast today. It's great to chat with you again, Caleb. Yeah, and just as we're getting started, you know, I know that you think you read, I saw that you started a Substack also recently, yeah. which is really yeah. cool. Um, and I would just love to hear from you, like what's got your imagination right now? Like what's capturing your attention, your curiosity? Like what are the things that you're learning about or wanting to learn about right now? Wow. I love that question. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of things I am. Uh, I'm reading kind of broadly around John's gospel right now. I personally just finished devotionally reading that. And then there's a couple of books that kind of dig deeper into it that I'm, I'm trying to explore. Um, I'm always intrigued by um, uh, the stories of organizations. And now as a, as a lead pastor, I've got a slightly different lens. I, I just re- finished reading a book on the history of California. I love histories and the stories of places. Um, I'm about to start a book that's the, the history of Julius Caesar. I've been fascinated for a while on the story of empires. I mean, I'm kind of yeah. giving you a shotgun uh, list no, of, that's of, great. of things here. 
Um, I, there's a podcast called Empire that I really love listening to. They did maybe 12 or 15 episodes on the British Empire in India, and now they're starting on the Ottoman Empire. So I, empires and histories are so fascinating to me because um, it just shows the scale of things. And it's it, it's kind of the counterbalance to any books about organizations or leadership, because sometimes you can have this sort of self-aggrandized view of we're going to do something that will change everything. And you're like, well, have a seat, buddy. There's like, you know, thousands of years of human history of <laughs> this stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 A couple of things I want to touch on in there. You mentioned the gospel of John. What's standing yeah. out to you right now from that? Um, I, I, I think, um, you know, this is a well-known kind of piece of this, but just how many personal encounters are recorded in John's gospel, you know, the, the number of times Jesus is interacting with individuals. And I'd always, you know, I'd seen that, but I read something from Richard Bauckham in his book on, on John's gospel, the gospel of glory, I think is what it's called, where he, he talks about how Jesus's love for his specific friends in John's gospel is meant to be a concrete expression of God's love for the world. So when John says this like massive statement for God so loved the world, uh, that's put into concrete expression when you see Jesus's love for example for Lazarus or or Lazarus or Jesus's love for example for Mary and Martha and so and so I'm struck by how deeply personal Jesus is in in this gospel and just how much that's meant to be a picture of of God's love for us. Yeah. Going back to California, what's a, a piece of history that has really stood out to you from California? I mean, the some of the obvious ones are the, you know, how the state began, the gold rush, the the dream of making it, and how that kind of drive for wealth in particular and accumulation has been in the story for a long time. Mm -hmm. And in the area where I live in Orange County, boy, you definitely see that, that entrepreneurial dream of 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 striking it big. But also on the to say some something maybe more on the positive way is that um, that confidence for innovation, you know, I think that's that's been there in California's history for a long time. And that sort of swagger of like if something's missing or if something's not here, we'll create it. And uh, I kind of love that. It's a it's a very forward future facing um, kind of orientation. And, and of course, there's some uh, some inherent drawbacks to that. But there's something fun about that, too. Mm hmm. You mentioned how uh, you're in this new role as mm -hmm. lead pastor and you moved mm -hmm. from Colorado to California. Talk to me about like the differences or some of the changes that you've had to adjust to or even changing yourself um, from moving from California or moving from Colorado yeah. to California. Uh, for one, I mean, a very obvious sort of uh, ordinary thing, uh, Caleb, is it's a lot more casual here, uh, especially at the at Rock Harbor, the church that I'm at. So uh, even on a funny uh, attire level, you know, where I might be wearing a button down shirt and a blazer here, it's more likely to be a T-shirt with a with a, you know, an open collar shirt, you know, unbuttoned <laughs> that yeah. kind of vibe. So that's that's fun. Um um, I, I do think that history versus future orientation is something that I'm I'm fascinated by. I myself, as I just said, I, I love histories and I love reading about kind of the story of where we've come from. And so I'm I think part of that is discerning how much of that to bring in to add some sort of root system or tethering to church history, our, our historic faith that I think is important while not losing that kind of energy towards a creativity um, that is, you know, such a gift for people um, uh, here. Mm -hmm. Talk to me more. 
because you know you you mentioned reading about California, reading the history of it. What else have you done to learn, maybe the history of your church, the history of like your yes. specific neighborhood, things like yes. that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's it was wonderful timing because when I arrived here, the church was marking its twenty fifth birthday, and so there was a lot of um, storytelling and pictures and history re- recaps. Um, that really, really helped me. It came at a great time for me to to get a crash course into the life of the church. But in addition to that, we spent a lot of time with um, at, at dinners with people in the church who had been here 10 years or more. Not that that was the criteria, but it just so happened that that was who we were having a lot of our, our meals with in the early months. You know, or I say early months, we've been here five months, but even in the first two or three months, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of that time was spent listening and learning. And what do you love about this place? What is Rock Harbor at its best? What about this county? What do you see as challenges or, or idols? And and what's interesting is sometimes we've gotten really good insight from people who've grown up in Orange County. And sometimes I've gotten really good insight from people who have moved here in the last five or 10 years who can say, yeah, this it's, it's almost like, you know, people who, who have had, you know, not fresh eyes right now, but had fresh eyes and remember um, kind of the, the notes about the place. And that lines up with, yeah, we're observing this too. And we're noticing this too. And some of the unique challenges, I think every context for a pastor, every context has um, it's not that the idols are unique, but that the particular temptation towards that idolatry um, would be specific toward that context. And I think that's what we're learning. Mm. Can you tease that out a little bit about how the idols aren't the same, but like the the temptations yeah. might look a little bit different? Or sorry, the idols are the same, but the temptations play themselves out a little bit differently. Yeah. So so say, for example, you know, the idol of of uh, wealth. Um, okay. That's probably there for, for lots of, for all of us, maybe in some ways. I mean, is there anything as old as the three temptations of money, money, sex, and power, you know, for, for, uh, in it, it, it is at the story of empires. Right. Um, but I think when you say, all right, but how is that in Costa Mesa and Newport? How is that in orange County? Uh, and you say, uh, all right, it looks like never thinking that you have enough, or it looks like, uh, a, and, a, a, a calibration of what enough is that is skewed. Um, and it's skewed because of the comparison to, to one another, um, and the temptation that maybe says, uh, no, these are all the things I, I need to have before I can then think about generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's just little wrinkles in that, you know, of, of nuances of how that temptation can play out or take the temptation of um, of identity or the idol of, of identity of self. That's an old one, too, of how do we how do we make ourselves our own gods well, the temptations um, to to construct ourselves as as the the center of the universe is a little bit different here. It's going to be to say, oh, identity is about image. It's about appearance. It's about status. It's about you know, and so where where that temptation to that particular idolatry, where that shows up, um, is going to be a little bit different here than it might be somewhere else in the country. Hmm. Well, I do want to talk about. Uh, the brand new book that you've co-authored with your wife, Holly, I do have one other question that I want to ask real quick. I know that you're a voracious reader. And so I would love to hear what's one book in the last six months that has like just got you thinking or just really impacted you. Uh, Abigail Favali wrote a book called the Genesis of gender. And it is a remarkable um, account of how we got to the place that we did today in terms of the gender conversations 
and then it's a remarkable recount of uh, recounting of a theology of the body that, of course, is rooted in Genesis. So that's the word word play there. Um, but that and and how that can ground Christians in the way that we think about um, the gender conversation. So it, it it could be controversial to some. I think she's a a, a very interesting guide through it because she had. Um, she was an evangelical that had deconstructed, was teaching gender studies, and then and then re realized the hollowness of some of what she was saying and, and passing on to students at the undergraduate level, and then began to sort of find a Catholic faith and a Catholic theology of the body, and that brought her back into Christianity, but then also gave her uh, gave her the tools and the resources to think differently now about some of these conversations. So. It's you. You follow her journey along with it, but there's a lot of a lot of uh, sociology, history, and theology um, that's all woven in together. I really, really liked it. Yeah, those are some of my favorite types of books too, and that's kind of what you guys do in the intentional year oh. as well. And so, you know, I would just love to hear, you know, maybe describing what the intentional year is and and what led you and Holly to even pursue this project. As yeah. Well. Well, that that's kind. Of, I mean, the intentionally is is probably more more um, precisely um, a mix of theology and practice. You know, and yeah. we're trying to really make it accessible to everybody. And and the goal. So the story behind it is Holly and I for twelve years or so have done this uh, annual retreat, usually at the beginning of the year, sometimes at the very end of the year. And actually, about I don't know six years ago or so, it became twice a year where we'd go in in early January and then early August. Um, and it was a way of recalibrating our, our life and, and re, you know, kind of reevaluating everything. But over time, we developed some structure to our time away that, that really helped us. And so we're basically mapping out that process in the book. And uh, the best way to describe the book is it's a set of practices arranged in a particular sequence, you know, in order that is a simple way um, for you to live on purpose and and to really live with greater peace and freedom as a result. You know, you're not having to have this uh, anxiety of saying, oh, what should I do about this? And when am I going to do this? And when do I see friends? And when do I work? Or when do I Sabbath? You, you've made some pregame decisions about some simple rhythms that now will, 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 will kind of help your life um, live more freely and purposefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take me back to like, what do you guys talk about? during the retreat like what are the things that you make sure that you cover and talk through yeah. and everything yeah and, and i want to say this isn't this isn't for couples only in fact throughout the book we give examples that are mostly for individuals um the strength of, of a couple doing this uh is the same as the strength of a, of a few friends doing this and that is to have companions on the journey so um there are there are ways of engaging in these practices that allow you to not feel like it's a solo climb you know i mean to use a, a hiking metaphor or a mountain climbing metaphor you never go on a hike alone right boy scouts rule number one i think you know so so the whole idea is to have companions along the way um so step one is reflecting on the past and we we apply an ancient tool it's the prayer of examine it's the an ignatian practice that comes from the 1400s and there's many iterations of it. We give our own version of the prayer of examine as a way to reflect on the past. And and the the you know Ignatius when he created these practices, they became known as the societas you know society of Jesus, basically the Jesuits, 
Uh, but another way to say that is the friends of Jesus. And so I really like that because um, the prayer of examine is a, is a way to cultivate friendship with Jesus. So the first part of the retreat is um, we, we you know come to a place of rest, come to review the previous year or the previous six months. And we do this by flipping through our journal or some people do this by looking through their photos. I mean, but there's ways of saying, okay, where did I experience joy? Where did I experience pain? What were some recurring themes over the last year? So you're reviewing. And then and then thirdly, you move into kind of this rejoice. We are beginning to thank God. We move so quickly. We forget the gifts of the last season. Fourthly, you begin to repent and say, oh, God, I, you know, for me, a lot of times what comes up is, man, Lord, I want to be more present. I realized I wasn't as present to my family or, or people close to me. Uh, so you repent. And then, and then fifthly, you're requesting uh, help or grace. So that's those five the steps are really all part of the first practice of reflecting on the past. Mm -hmm. Next comes a listening for the word for the season that you're entering into. And it could be a word, it could be a phrase, it could be a scripture. Sometimes, you know, people say, I just had this metaphor, this image. And the whole idea is, you can't decide what you're going to do until you determine what this season is for. And, and because the, like every farmer knows the toil must match the season. So you could do a good thing, but it's not the right thing because it doesn't match the season that you're in. And, and that's this, that's this whole, that's the whole idea of the second step. Se second step is taking time to think and pray about Lord, what, what is this season for? Is this a season for for holding back and recovering and, and being healthy? Is this a season for taking risks and stepping out? Um, you know all of that, and then and then the third kind of step of the retreat is uh, a really big one, and that is where we start to take inventory of five areas of our life, and the five areas are prayer, rest, renewal, relationships, and work. And those five areas are, are there's many ways to slice this, but these are sort of five spheres of life. And when I say take inventory, start to write down, what are you doing for prayer? Or what does prayer actually look like? You know, it was, well, it actually looks like once a week this or twice a week that, you know, what does work look like? What is relationships? That was one of the areas where years ago was weak for me, where I realized I don't have any built in mechanisms of connecting with friends, you know. Um, so, so you start to write down the existing ones and then you start to prayerfully reflect and say, gosh, is that, am I happy with that? Is, is that just the default setting? Am I okay with that? And so maybe you start to tweak it and you say, you know, and the temptation, Caleb, is to add three or four or five new things for each area. And you just can't do that. Uh, yeah. you, you maybe want one thing for each area, or maybe there's one thing that actually fits three of them. You know, like for example, if, if a person doesn't take a weekly Sabbath, a Sabbath could actually speak to a time for prayer. It could speak to the need for rest. And it could even speak to the, the time for renewal. You know what renews you? You're going on a bike ride or whatever. It could, And it could even speak to the, the need for um, relationships. Maybe Sabbath is where you do uh, hang out with friends. Um, so, And Sabbath is when you don't work. So Sabbath is one of those practices that, wow, it speaks to all five of those areas. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. Mm. Yeah, as much as you're comfortable, what's one that you're working to implement in like the first half of 2023? Yeah, so so there's um there's one super practical thing and there's one that's on the relational thing. So the super practical one, it really has to do with a, a rhythm of work and rest. So it hits kind of two of those five areas. And that is about what I do with my phone at night. 
Um, so after dinner, uh, my wife and I, you know, we're trying to get in this habit together of you know last last bits of responding to texts or whatever throughout the day and then leaving it at the kitchen and going upstairs so our phone stays at the kitchen um the rest of the night so from 9 p.m to 7 a.m roughly you know there's a 10-hour stretch where our phone is our phones are away from us and uh, it's helpful. It's helpful to kind of say, let me just be present to the kids, to one another. Uh, let's, you know, maybe keep a notepad by the bedside table. If you think of something, just, you know, jot it down. We'll get to it tomorrow. That's helpful to do. Uh, and then on the relationship side, um, we have four kids. Our oldest is off in college starting her freshman year. Our youngest is in high school or uh, our youngest is in fifth grade. Uh, and then our two middle ones, you know, a son in seventh grade and a daughter in 10th grade. And it's a big year uh, for all of them, uh, but it, it, there's something uh, that's beginning here for our son, you know, as he's 13. And so I'm wanting to, and he's the only boy um, among the lineup, you know, and so I, I, I felt this desire to in, invest some time intentionally with them on a bit of a, a, a journey, you know, and so we... Uh, we've carved out a regular Saturday time. We go to the gym together and then we go get breakfast at Chick-fil-A after. So there's something physical, there's something fun. Uh, and then we we sit down and we're working through a little Bible study together on um, on what it means to to journey towards godliness in this stage of his life. Mm, that's cool. What's uh, one of the practices in the previous years that has maybe been one of the most helpful ones for you? Uh, under prayer, I uh, years ago began uh, praying the Psalms uh, daily, and I would do one to two Psalms a day. I didn't I didn't specify like you know um, uh, how many, um, but I think what's important. So I mentioned you know the third step is this taking inventory, but the fourth step of the retreat, the fourth part of the retreat, and end of the the final piece in the book, is actually putting something in your calendar. You know, putting it in your calendar, so it becomes not just a practice, but it becomes an event. And the difference between a practice and an, and an event is massive because we could all say, I want to do these practices. But if you don't know when and how and how often, then it's just an idea. So I even put in my phone and I not to say that this happened every day, but I put in the time of the morning and where I would sit in the house to pray the Psalms. And so that made it so like when I'm getting up, I'm not like I should pray right now, but I don't know when or what and what's my prayer. like. You know, it was like. It was a pre-game decision that made it easier. I don't say that it made it easy, but it made no. it easier um, to to get up and do it. So, so I, yeah, that would be one one thing was praying the Psalms almost daily. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what made you and Holly want to go to doing this basically twice a year, and yeah. what's the benefits that you've seen from doing it twice a year? Yeah, I I, I mean, I think uh, it's January gets in the rear view, rear view mirror very quickly, you know, as you get on into life and and things change. And, and for us with kids, as the kids got into school rhythms, mm-hmm. we began to realize, gosh, spring semester and fall semester, very different sometimes, you know, their sports activities are different, their dance activities are different, you know, so. Um, so we might have said these are the evenings that we're hanging out with friends. Well, that worked in March, but it's not going to work in September. So we we had we had it was essentially school uh, rhythms that made us have to recalibrate. Mm. You know, one of the things that we were talking about beforehand is that you've made, uh, and, and we even mentioned it here too, is that you've done this major transition of being the lead pastor as well, and you know that happened after that you made all you and Holly had talked through what 2022 was Uh going to look like. And so talk to me about 
how do you how do you handle that whenever you have like your plan for 2022 and what you want to look like and just that whole process of being open to what God wants to do and everything. Well, God in his kindness was kind of giving us some heads up. Like we had felt some stirrings in the toward the end of 2021. And so when we did our retreat time away in 2022, both Holly and I felt like uh, something's going to change this year. And I specifically, the phrase that I had, you know, and I talked about the second part of the retreat is discerning what season you're in. I The phrase I had for, for me was death and resurrection, that there was going to be some, there was going to be renewal and new life, but it was going to require dying to something uh, old. And I didn't know what that meant, but I kind of thought, oof, does this mean we're going to have to leave? Holly, her, her word, you know, it wasn't, she wasn't sharing this with too many people, but like, was full on like the word go, you know, and, and not that she wanted that, not that, you know, but um, it really gave us like this um, soberness as we entered the year. And so in a way that first half of 2022, it helped us to really be intentional about uh, some, some preparing the way for some transitions church wise, but also, um, making the most almost like if this was our if this is our last six months or whatever in this town with this, these people how do we how do we make some memories here you know and uh it, it did kind of lead us uh, along that way and helped us with that but that being said our life was totally disoriented the second half of 2022 you know a move yeah. and you know it it I don't think there was anything rhythmic about our life the second half of, of 2022. It was definitely, um, uh, you know, just trying to get oriented. So I do feel entering 2023 a sense of like, okay, I think we can have a bit more of a rhythm to our, our living here. Mm. Yeah, through that disorienting time, like what, what do you guys feel like you wish that you would have done more of? And what do you wish that you would have done differently? Hmm. Boy, that's a good one. I'm not sure. Um, I think um, maybe I wish we would have had a bit more um, built-in check-in times with the. We did have a lot of like family time that was organic and you know spur of the moment. And maybe that's how it needed to be. I think maybe we could have had a few more um, scheduled or planned um, check-in times. I'm not sure. Um, I, I think, um, I probably needed a few more, um, built in times with friends in Colorado, you know, just to keep, uh, again, it was sporadic, it was organic, but might've needed it to be more scheduled. Um, uh, you know, another thing that, that I I did kind of line up by the end of the year that probably needed earlier was a regular time with my spiritual director. Mm-hmm. Um, for my own soul to process what I was going through. Um, and I think I was like, you know, kind of like head was spinning and maybe couldn't quite see clearly the first few months. Um, so maybe that would have been helpful to engage in earlier. Yeah. 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 I, I was, I was just curious because we all have, we all have those seasons from mm-hmm. time to time. I feel like I'm in, mm-hmm. right, uh, I feel like I'm in one right now. It's just mm-hmm. interesting because I, uh, I'm getting married in a few weeks. Oh, cool. And man. so that was a big thing that happened. Uh, well, meeting her in the back half of 22 and just having that very just dis- good disorienting yeah. experience. And yeah. Everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Congrats, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, another idea that you have in the book, which uh, was just very insightful, and it just got me thinking a lot, and I, I don't remember it verbatim, but you talk about how if you have a favorite author, then mm. the best way to become like that author isn't yeah. necessarily reading them, but reading the people who influence them. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Okay, so think about making a photocopy of a document. Every time you you know, make a photocopy of a passport, or whatever, and, and then you make a copy of that copy, and then you make a copy of that copy. Each time you go down the line, it's going to get worse quality. The quality is going to get worse. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an analogy for what happens to us. So you admire, let's say, you admire, um, you know, Tim Keller. You want to be like Tim Keller. You're like, okay, great. So you read lots of Tim Keller. You listen to Tim Keller. It's great. You. Well, aside from the problems of you not being you and who God made you to be aside, let's set that aside for the moment. You're still going to be a copy of a lower version of, you know, whatever Keller is. But if you really want to be like Keller or or be able to think or teach like Keller, read who Keller reads. So then mm -hmm. Keller, you say, well, who are his sources? So one of the easiest ways to do this is if you find an author that you really like, okay, maybe you start to read more of their work. That's great. Now start to read more of their footnotes and then read the people in those footnotes. So, you know, yeah. uh, um, like like I, I spent a lot of years reading C.S. Lewis, love C.S. Lewis. And then I realized, man, Lewis is channeling a lot of Augustine and Aquinas. I, I want to read more of those guys, you know, so that you start to you start to work backwards like that. And this, I think I'm using my field of, of theology and all that, but I think this applies in, in, in various fields. You know, you, you like a particular consultant or business guy. Okay, great. Whose theories are, is he building off of? Read that guy. Whose theories is that guy building off of? You know, so you're tracing up the tree a little bit so that it, it's almost like going upstream to find cleaner water. Uh, another metaphor here. So that, so that then when you drink deeply there, uh, it has, it, 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 you can get nourished in a deeper way. Yeah. Well, I got one or two other things I want to ask you, but before that, I know there's a lot of things that we could talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. Is there anything mm -hmm. else just top of mind that you want to make sure any practices, anything like I that? Just, yeah. I just want to say for people who maybe have heard me even walk through the different sequence of things from reflecting on the past to listening for a word for the season, taking inventory and then putting it in your calendar. That might just sound like, holy cow, that's just so crazy. Like, I don't have the time for that. You know, I, I totally get it. But I want to ask you, you know, to, to, to consider is the cost of staying the same um, greater than the cost of change? You know, mm -hmm. uh, do you want to live life on default or do you want to live purposefully and intentionally? But then the second thing I want to say is this is not as overwhelming as it might sound. Um, it actually can be it actually can be very freeing. And I would I would say don't even do all four of those steps, you know, start by taking time away to reflect on the past, start there and see what a difference that begins to make, then start to kind of work your way through. And again, the goal is not to emerge with now I've got 12 new practices and rhythms that I've put in my calendar, you know, way you can't do all that. Yeah. But if there's two or three, uh, even one or two, it can move you, nudge you incrementally, or, or maybe adjust your trajectory by, by degrees of difference. But as we all know, the 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 you know the the famous sort of example of this one degree of difference can make a massive difference in your the trajectory of your life of your relationships, and so um, so just con consider that um, the the book can be read slowly. It can be read with a journal in hand. And uh, let me say one final thing: you don't have to actually do it all in one retreat. You know, um, th there are people who might 
benefit from saying, okay, one weekend, I'm going to just take this piece of it. And then the next weekend, I'm going to take this next piece of it. And you slowly chip away at it. And uh, lo and behold, you work through it. The last thing I want to ask is very, very closely to that is you you mentioned one mistake that you probably did too soon or people tend to do too soon is biting mm-hmm. off more than they can chew. Mm-hmm. What's one or two mistakes that you and Holly went through that you would say, don't do this early on as per, as it pertains to the intentional year and yeah. planning and the retreat and everything. I mean, definitely don't try to, to list like tons of new practices into your life. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. We, we, as human beings, we can't change. We, I shouldn't say we can't, we don't often change dramatically. We change incrementally. Mm-hmm. And so, so the most, the, the most helpful thing, the, the biggest mistake we made was trying to do too much too soon and like overly optimistic about our calendar. Like you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, don't fight the flow or the season of life that you're in work with that. You know, so if, mm-hmm. if you're single, you know, let's work with that. If you're getting married, like you are, if you're someone's having kids, accept the limitations of that season. Some of the mistakes we've made is we've tried to conquer the limitations of, of capacity in each season and to say, nope, I accept the limitations of this season and, and I'm going to trust that God can work with me in that. So, uh, uh, you know, stay at home parent or a, a, mo- a mother of a newborn maybe might say, gosh, I just can't do this and this and this. And it's just, I just feel so bad. I can't have a, you know, and and to say that's okay. Why don't you? Why don't you do what you can? And 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 uh, it, it, instead of trying to to accomplish so many new things, uh, sometimes it. Some people call this like batching. So when you, you know, if you're a mom with a newborn, when you are feeding the baby, that's also when you might pray. You know, so so you or, or that might be also when you just mm-hmm. begin to just say thank you to God for some things. You know, so you're you're start or or when you are driving and you're stuck in traffic, that's also when you listen to a, a an audiobook or a podcast. You know, so you're 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 batching together some of the practices that you want. You're working with your life rather than against it. Mm. Well, Glenn, I know that people are going to want to pick up the book, The Intentional Year and keep up with you. Where's the best place for people to go to get the book and keep up with you? I mean, go find your local bookstore, ask Barnes and Noble, whatever. Of course, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's it's available as an ebook as well and an audiobook that Holly and I uh, read together, which which uh, maybe you'll find fun. Awesome. Well, Glenn, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And just thanks for doing the work and for sharing it with us. Thank you, Caleb. I think my big takeaway from this conversation is really just the whole idea around the book of learning to be more intentional with the year and setting aside those two years or not two years, two times a year, few days or retreat or whatever it looks like to reflect on the previous six months and to look forward to the next six months as well and figuring out what I want to focus on over those next several months and I think that part of that is especially on my mind right now with just I'm in the midst of just lots of transitions from new job to new city to getting ready to get married as well and it's just on my mind and I and I want to do it well and so just thinking through some of those things and setting aside the time to do it so that's one of the things that I'm thinking about from this if you want to keep up with me and the other things that I'm thinking about, the other things that I'm learning from, please subscribe to my Substack. The link is in 
the show notes for that. And I do want to say thank you to Glenn for coming back on the podcast. Check out his previous episode as well. And thanks to Sam Massey for providing the music for this podcast. And yeah, I think that's it. That's all that I have for today. So thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.